This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. Let's go to the bullpen with Adam the Bull on the Bet Rivers Network. We're talking with the great Terry Francona. I know everybody poo-poos baseball fights. They're like, hey, you go out there and everybody's just talking yeah. and shoving. But when you get out there, man, those guys are big. They they get after yeah. it. And when they get after it, man, look out. It makes you a little nervous. Robin Ventura still won't talk about Nolan Ryan to, to this day. <laughs> he wants nothing with that conversation. Listen to the bullpen with Adam the Bull on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. Week eight is in the books. Good morning, good afternoon, good night. Whenever you might be listening to this program, I'm Dan McNeil, and this is another edition of the Danny Mac Podcast on the Bet Rivers Podcast Network, produced by Sam Michael, the big boss man, as I like to call him, Baby Capone. That's Adam Delavitt. Roquan Smith, the first rounder just four years ago, four and a half years ago, is a Baltimore Raven. And it's because of that where I'm, I'm glad the podcast is one day later than I wanted to get it done this week after promising you Bears and Cowboys on Monday. I let you down, but this trade makes it so much better to come back fresh while it's still in everybody's minds and I can focus a lot less on the Bears' defensive embarrassment against the Cowboys Sunday and more on what Roquan Smith's legacy as a Bear is going to be, what he's going to do for the Ravens, and how in the world the Bears conclude this schedule without decidedly their best defensive player. And if this trade would have happened after the win against the Patriots, oh, would people have been storming the gates at 1,000 football drive in Lake Forest? That's where the Bears reside, and they would have been very, very upset about that because that was the feel-good game of the year. The Bears were big underdogs, uh, and, and they beat the crap out of New England. All three phases, Bears, which I joked about on my terrestrial show Friday. I didn't want to shit on the win last uh, Tuesday when I did the podcast, so I waited until Friday to talk a little bit about some of the head-over-feet problem Troy Aikman was having in the booth on Monday Night Football last week, and everybody gets swept up in the moment. You know, this is that Matt Eberflus is really starting to put his signature on this. Yeah, slow down, Troy, and slow down, Bears fans. And reality sunk in. Reality hit them right between the baby blues Sunday against the Stars. Those Dallas Cowboys just put a whip, and Tony Pollard would still be running if they didn't stop the clock. And uh, if it were a fight, they would have stopped it a lot earlier. So Roquan Smith goes to Baltimore in exchange for second and fifth round picks and a linebacker named A.J. Klein. Uh, don't worry about A.J. Klein. I, just the, He's the David Putney of the deal. For those of you who have seen Draft Day, 
when Kevin Costner, the fictional general manager, Sonny Weaver, Sonny Weaver Jr. of the Cleveland Browns, makes a deal with the Seahawks. Patrick Saint-Esprit, one of my favorite that guy actors, played Tom Michaels, the general manager of the Seahawks. And they made a deal earlier in the day, and it looks like the Browns get fleeced. And the quarterback who was expected to be number one going to Cleveland is still on the board. The kid from Wisconsin, the Heisman Trophy winner. So they get the they get their picks back. Seattle gets their picks back. Cleveland tries to sell them on it. Costner's character, Weaver Jr., sells him on it by saying, you're saving a lot of money because he's not the number one pick in the draft. Look what you've cost you saved yourself in signing bonus. So he gets his picks back, all of them, and also says throw in punt returner David Putney because uh, Jennifer Garner, the capologist and his love interest in the the film, Sonny Weaver Jr., suggested they need help on special teams. Get David Putney. Get David Putney. And she understood football. She was a Cleveland girl, as she explained in that. So David Putney then became a member of the Cleveland Browns. The Bears don't get a Putney. They get an A.J. Klein. And uh, Roquan Smith, as uh, as a Bears linebacker, whether he played middle or the seven, eight games this year, he played outside linebacker, weak side linebacker with more area to cover to better, you know, make use of his speed and open field skills as a tackler. He has been terrific. Most of his four and a half seasons in a Bears uniform and immediately in 2018 as a rookie on the heels of a lengthy holdout where he missed almost the entire training camp before he puts on pads. Man, the season's right there, right in front of him. He got a few more workouts in than Khalil Mack did when Ryan Pace made the you know, blockbuster Friday night deal the week before the weekend before the season started to get Mac off of the Raiders in exchange for a bunch of first round picks. Smith had just put the pads on shortly before that. Now he winds up starting 14 games as a rookie and he led the team in tackles immediately putting his signature on that defense. He had 89 solo stops, 121 combined tackles tops on the bears. He intercepted a pass in that rookie season of 18, but did not force a fumble. And that's the rub for me. That's the blemish on a resume for Roquan Smith that makes it makes it flawed. He's always been available, or I should say almost always been available. He had a little bit of a hiccup in his second season, and it never was reported why. He missed some time because of personal reasons, and his head coach, Matt Nagy, did him no favors by not clearing him of any wrongdoing because there certainly wasn't anything against the law or breaking team rules. He made a bad decision regarding medication, and that was never really reported. And uh, I, I don't know why Matt Nagy didn't just come out and say, hey, there's nothing to do with it. He didn't break. He just he wouldn't say anything. He was just mum about it and said he didn't want to talk about it leaving people open to speculation. But it wasn't anything terribly bad. And when Smith came back, years three and four, man, he played in 95% of the Bears' defensive snaps. Khalil Mack, in his four years with the Bears, 
never played more than 86% of the snaps. And last year when he was hurt quite a bit in his final season with Chicago in 21, he played in only 69% of the Bears' defensive snaps. But Smith was all pro only once his third year of 2020. His tackles numbers always have been impressive. 163 tackles that season, uh, 139 combined stops the uh, previous year, and he's among the league leaders every year. But the difference between Roquan Smith and the linebackers regarded top tier creating turnovers. Smith has all of one forced fumble in four and a half years. One fumble recovered, one fumble forced. Seven interceptions. He's got two this year already, which ties his career high of two in a season. Now you look at some of the other high-paid guys, guys considered to be among the best at what they do. The perfect way to and the perfect guy to compare him to is Darius Leonard, uh Shaquille Leonard these days of Indianapolis because they came in the exact same year, played linebacker, and forced fumbles were a way of life for Leonard in a Colts uniform. They have been. He has 17 of them in his career, 17 to 1. And he also has more interceptions than Smith has. He's got 11 picks before the season began. And Leonard has appeared in only two games this year with Indianapolis. He's already got a pick. Then there's Micah Parsons, the elite of the elite in 2022. He already, barring an injury, he already, you can start engraving his name on the Defensive Player of the Year award because I don't see anybody standing in his way. Somebody would have to have just a monster second half of the season to catch Micah Parsons number 11 and the Bears got a really good taste of of his skill set this past Sunday five forced fumbles already this season it took him what he took the one against the Bears 36 yards for a touchdown the other day when Justin Fields did the hurdle over uh, (laughs) over Parsons who was sprawled out uh, uh, the, uh, the the field turf, and he realized I've not been touched. I'm going to get up and run 36 yards for a touchdown. Parsons has eight sacks this year. That's among the best in the league. He's he's atop the leaderboard in all of the meaningful categories, backing up why the Cowboys drafted him 12th overall out of Penn State just two years ago. He's a household name already. Smith wasn't even a household name in Chicago in his second year. Bears fans were too busy slobbering all over Khalil Mack. And some of it was deserved. Mack had a lot to do with that incredible season of 2018 when the Bears won the NFC North Championship. Mack set a tone on opening night, very first game on Sunday Night Football on NBC at Lambeau Field. When he he sacked Aaron Rodgers and picks up a fumble and returns it, I think it was 28 yards for a touchdown. Just a remarkably dramatic start to his Bears career. Unfortunately, Mac didn't have much training camp. As I mentioned earlier, he he gets traded right before the season starts. One week before is when the Bears sign him, and he ran out of gas in the second half of that game. So did the Bears, because Matt Nagy was very casual in training camp. They weren't in good enough condition. 
and they wound up losing the game. Now, unrelated to Roquan Smith, because I st- still bugs me, Bears fans aren't more astute. Khalil Mack did not measure up to he didn't he didn't hold up his end of the bargain in the trade with the Raiders. You give up two first round picks. You paid him record money for defensive players. At the time Pace makes that deal, they gave they gave Mac a contract that made him the highest paid player in NFL history. And he only had one double digit sack season for the Bears. That was that first one when he had 12 and a half sacks. He never had more than 20 quarterback hits in a season. He won the Defensive Player of the Year award with the Raiders in 16, his third year in the league. And in those years with the Raiders, three times he was in the 20s with quarterback hits. He was not the player they thought they were getting, and he ran out of gas all too often. I I, I think of a few things when I think of Khalil Mack's tenure in a Bears uniform. And one of them, well, there's a lot of good ones too, but one of them is him putting his finger in the air, waving to the sideline for uh, who backs him up. Hey, get some fresh legs out here. I'm out of gas. What are you talking about? You're you're the highest paid player in the league. You need to be fit enough to play 95% of the snaps like Roquan Smith does or at least 90% of the snaps. And he never got to that level in a Bears uniform. Smith's stance before training camp started just sort of telegraphed this trade to me, and I'm surprised more people weren't talking about it leading up to the trade deadline. On my show on WJOB, my partner Oak Park Vandy suggested the other day, Roquan Smith isn't going anywhere. Roquan, you know, he's having a terrific year, and the Bears are rolling. This is before the Dallas thrashing. But, you know, I, I think Vandy gets like a lot. People get swept up in the moment. And Smith had a great game against the Patriots on Monday Night Football. So there you are thinking, okay, all is well. He's learning the will position. Got to talk that football lingo because I have background at the score. He's playing will linebacker. And he's doing it very, very well after just a few weeks. He leads the freaking league in tackles. But he said during his hold in, as they say these days, that it left a terrible taste in his mouth. And he agreed to play the last year on that contract, slumming it at around $9 million, but he vowed to get revenge. And I I got a firm impression it was going to be very difficult on the Bears to dissuade him from wanting a new address in the offseason. And if that's where it was going to wind up, if Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus were convinced Roquan wasn't going to be a part of it next year, Number one, because they didn't want to pay him what he seemingly is going to get this upcoming offseason. But number two, just you know, he's not that type of player. He doesn't deserve that kind of money. I don't blame them for that. They had to make the move. They absolutely, their asses were in a sling here. If that is that a cliche? It ought to be. If it's not, more rounders references coming down the road. By the way, I I just you know it's it hurts because. 
It is not every year when the Bears hit on first-round picks. It's rare when they hit on first round. And they don't have them. Going back to the spring of 09 when Jerry Angelo traded for Jay Cutler, the Broncos get the Bears' first-round picks for a couple of years. They they lost a couple of first-round picks when they acquired Mack from the Raiders in 18. But when they have first-round picks, they spend them on guys like Mitch Trubisky or Leonard Floyd. or And the Rams have gotten more out of Floyd than the Bears did. And I don't think he was as bad as Bears fans suggested. He wasn't good. He wasn't worth being picked top 12, I think he was. But nonetheless, Kevin White, seventh overall in 2015, he did nothing for the Bears. How about Gabe Karimi? Back to Jerry Angelo, the tackle from Wisconsin. And I'll never forget Jerry's, uh, my favorite line, and there were many of them in Jerry's career in Chicago. He didn't know where the tackle vineyard is. Where, oh, where is that tackle vineyard? Gabe Karimi ain't growing in it, and neither was Chris Williams. 14th pick overall in 08. As soon as he got to Bourbonnet, when the Bears still were training there, he went right into the tub. That, that was uh, Chris Williams out of Andy. So not much success in the first round. And Smith stepped in and immediately was a stud. And that's why it hurts to see a guy like that go. That's that's why it is painful. Um, parting is such sweet sorrow, Willy Wonka. But it made sense here. Um, the Ravens, now with Smith and Patrick Queen, have upgraded a defense and are making a season of it after blowing two 17-point leads earlier this year at home, also blowing a 10-point lead and losing games. Maybe this is what the Ravens need to to right their ship, and I never would write off a John Harbaugh team. I've seen the movie too many times. He's been there a long time, and it's rare when his teams don't represent. And he has a quarterback who might drive you to madness, but he's a damn video game when he's on. So who knows if the Ravens wind up playing in February. I don't think they will because I think there's a couple of other teams in their conference capable of beating the crap out of them and figuring out Jackson. But uh, they're a much better team today than they were before they made the trade Monday. Let me give you a little on last night's Monday nighter. The Bengals crapped the bed in Cleveland. Browns 32 and the Bengals 13. No Jamar Chase. No soup for you, Bengals fans. I let this one get away. And I'm not mad at myself because you never get mad at yourself when you book profit on the stock market or when you're wagering on football. I went 2-0 and this weekend. I had Dallas over Chicago, and I had the uh, freshly revived Pete Carroll and Seattle Seahawks taking care of business against the Giants this past Sunday. So uh, I backed off the Browns. I was, I was content. And I liked Cleveland earlier in the week, much before, long before Sunday when the ball went in the air. I liked them before the week opened. But, I, you know, I have a philosophy. Don't regard your winnings as, as house money. Yeah, I'm playing with house money. That's how you get in trouble. Put that money in your pocket and live to fight another day. After eight weeks, I'm up 100 bucks for the season. 
and they could have made it 200 last night if I put a dollar on the Browns, who were getting three and a half, but I didn't, and uh, enjoyed the game nonetheless. Why did I like Cleveland? Because they're way better than their two and five records said going into the game. They have as good a tandem at running back as any team in the league, except maybe barring Chicago. More on that in a few moments. Terrific tandem with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Jacoby Brissett has been more than adequate holding down the fort while Deshaun Watson continues to serve his suspension. And Amari Cooper has gone back to being the Amari Cooper we saw early in his career with the Raiders. I wouldn't let him throw the ball in again. And he's asked, <laughs> he asked his head coach, Kevin Stefanski, after the game, don't do that again. Don't let me throw that ball again. But uh, they've been they've been much better than their record indicates. And I also didn't want to be a victim of recency bias. It is impossible for me to forget the beginning of the season when the Bengals' offensive line was a sieve and they allowed 13 sacks of Joe Burrow in the first two weeks of the season. The Browns sacked Burrow five times last night. Last year's MVP was indeed mortal again. 25 of 35 for 232 yards. Two touchdowns, he threw a pick and also lost a fumble. Cleveland had 440 yards of total offense to the Bengals' 229. Cleveland had the ball almost 37 minutes. 44 rushing attempts for the Browns, 10 for the Bengals. What an ass-kicking, old-school style. Nice job last night by the Cleveland Browns to punctuate week eight of the NFL season. The biggest takeaway from week eight for me, A.J. Brown of the Eagles, your table is ready, sir. It's on the house. Brown is in his fourth year. His uh, first three, of course, as a Tennessee Titan, and he left there kicking and screaming. You may recall him fighting with Titans fans on social media, uh, screaming at his critics, telling them they've just lost their best receiver in the history of the franchise. Well, so far, he's backed up his boast. Brown is on pace to shatter Shadoobie, his career bests in all of the meaningful categories for wide receivers. Now, he played in 13 games. Last year, missing four. He missed two games in his second year in 2020, and he missed a start already this year. So if he, if you extrapolate how available he's been, maybe he doesn't shatter those records, but I think he's going to beat them. I think he's going to beat every damn one of them because he has Jalen Hurts now. He doesn't have Ryan Tannehill anymore. He's got Jalen Hurts. And I am buying stock on Jalen Hurts. If you aren't, jump in now before the price goes way up. The Eagles are a legit 7-0. Sunday, in their win over the Steelers, 35-13, very convincing. A.J. Brown had six catches for 156 yards and three touchdowns. Hurts, 19 out of 28, 285 yards, four touchdown passes. No picks. 
That's my second popped pee of the day. Sorry about that, Adam. I want to write the obituary for the 2022 Los Angeles Rams. I didn't think I'd be here this earlier in the season, but folks, it's time. You can prepare the body for viewing if you'd like. As I sit down for a moment, often uh, often doing these on my feet the entire time, but I got a knee, as Dave Wanstead would say. The Rams Super Bowl run ends at one. They will be the next team to miss the playoffs after winning a Super Bowl. There have been very few in NFL history. Do you realize, I'm, I'm pretty sure most football fans are aware, the Rams have been impotent offensively this year compared to a year ago, but I don't know if many of you are aware by how remarkable the disparity is. The Los Angeles Rams have scored 118 points. Only the Texans have scored fewer. And it's true, L.A. has had its bye already. Few have, so they've played one less game. But they're the world freaking champs. The Lions also only have played seven games, and they've scored way more points than the great Sean McVay's Rams have. And if you're the Rams right now, why aren't you making a phone call to Odell Beckham and asking him to return? That makes no sense to me. This guy helped you win a championship last year. Beckham was en route to being the Super Bowl MVP when he blew out his knee. And all reports are he did all of the physical therapy in the offseason, and he is ready to go, and he's waiting for a phone call. Meanwhile, I keep hearing the name Brandon Cooks thrown around, like Brandon Cooks is going to save a franchise. And I think it was I think it was Anthony Booger McFarlane who who mocked that last night in pregame coverage. I, I'm not positive it was McFarland. Or, or maybe it was on NFL Network. I bounced around between ESPN's pregame show and a little bit of NFL Network. I like most of the people on those panels. And uh, it was just stated, Brandon Cooks is going to save the Packers? What are we talking about here? On his best days, Brandon Cooks is a WR2. He's he's a lower-end wide receiver. What is Brandon? You should be looking for Odell Beckham. Now, it's true Beckham was a component last year to a team that already had the best receiver in the league, Cooper Cup, who won the Triple Crown last year for wide receivers, catches, yardage, touchdowns. So Beckham wasn't counted on to to carry all of the weight of being their go-to guy, but certainly he's still got some gas left in the tank. And if you're a team that's a wide receiver away, and uh, I can think of a couple of teams who need help at a different offensive position than wide receiver, but if you're one of those teams looking for a wide receiver to make the difference for you, if you think that's all you're missing, I'd call Odell Beckham a hell of a lot faster than I'd call that goof-ass Brandon Cooks. You know what Brandon Cooks is going to save you. So the NFL tra- uh, trading deadline arrives later today, and with it, there is expected to be news on possibly Brandon Cooks, 
maybe a running back or two switching uniforms. There's been a lot of talk of Kareem Hunt of the Browns being dealt. And that would make sense if if you're the Rams and you still think you got a shot. I, I don't know. At, at three and a four, I, I guess they do. But I don't know if they're looking at it that way. The way that offensive line has been so awful this year, are you really willing to mortgage some of your future for a running back right now? If it's a rental, if it's a cheap rental, that's fine. And I can tell you where they could find one. They could find one in Lake Forest. With the emergence of Khalil Herbert as the Bears' go-to running back and David Montgomery going elsewhere after this season, this is the fourth and final year of his first day. He's gone after this year. He ain't going to stick around. He's never had the opportunity in Chicago to be the type of earner he should be. His production has been retarded by offensive coordinators who don't value the running game. Most notably, Matt Nagy in those four years submitted for your disapproval their seven rush effort against the Saints at Soldier Field a few years ago. I had the skinny on that on Monday, by the way. Oh, here's the I'm happy for you file getting a workout in overtime telling people that that Sean Payton, then head coach of the Saints, was giggling at breakfast talking about how badly the Bears were overmatched on both lines of scrimmage, that the Saints were just going to keep it real simple, stupid, and maul their asses for three quarters. He was tell- he basically told the service staff that at breakfast in Chicago. And you know what? His Saints went out there and did kick the shit out of the Bears that day. That's a Matt Nagy day. Seven carries for the Bears offense. You're not going to get a contract playing running. You're not likely to get a great one anyway unless you are among the elite of the elite. And even that's going to start dissipating because what did it do for Dallas giving Ezekiel Elliott a nice deal? Now he's the second best running back on their team. They didn't even need him. They had Tony Pollard to destroy the Bears and then some. When did, when did he average almost 10 yards per carry against the Bears' defense that week? The NFL's trading deadline historically has not produced very many thrill rides, but there has been an uptick in activity in recent years. In 2012, the league extended the trading deadline two weeks. It used to happen before week six or right after week six. Now they've moved it back to right after week eight. And the first year it was it was applied and changed. There was a big deal at the trade deadline when cornerback Akib Talib, Akib Talib, he's covering you. That's a cheap trick, Riff. When uh, when he was still at the top of his game, he was moved. Last year, you recall Vaughn Miller going from Denver to the Rams, helps him win a Super Bowl. And now he's on the cusp of possibly winning with a third team in three years. Wow. Jeez. Is that right? No, it's, it's not, not, not in consecutive years. I screwed that up. His third different team, but Denver was a few years ago when, when he copped that first one. Then to the Rams and now to the Buffalo Bills, who are the favorite. The biggest trades in pro football history in season 
I guess you'd have to go with the Cowboys Vikings as the number one in 1989, the famous Herschel Walker deal, which everybody erroneously points to as the single biggest reason the Cowboys had a dynasty in the early to mid nineties. They screwed up a lot of those picks they acquired in the deal. They homered on a few, but man, they screwed up a bunch of them along the way and hit some home runs late in the draft. Eric Williams, the big tackle who I'm one of the meanest dudes in the NFL in the nineties, he just assumed punch you in the face and look at you. Uh, he was a late round draft pick and there were some other ones who were not necessarily high picks, but that is the most famous of, uh, of the big trades in NFL history. Eric Dickerson, a few years prior to that, uh, in a very bizarre three team deal who all was in on it other than the Rams and the Patriots. I think Buffalo was involved in that deal as well, if memory serves, but, um, I don't think the NFL ever will capture the excitement of Major League Baseball at the trade deadline. And in the NBA and NHL, a lot of times it's peripheral components. It's guys who aren't aren't necessarily front-level guys, but there certainly is a ton of activity. I don't know if football ever can catch those sports in in terms of excitement. Teams aren't willing to give up much for veteran players, because if you've been in the league four years, chances are excellent they're starting to replace you very, very soon. And unless you're a rental, you may not be that desirable. So I I think that's the biggest reason you don't see more trades in the NFL. And even when you see stars moved, unless you're a quarterback or maybe the best pass rusher in the league, as the Bears thought Khalil Mack was a few years ago, they're not going to forfeit number one pick. So you're going you're gonna to start right around where the Bears started and ended up with Roquan Smith, a second and a fifth rounder, and a guy named A.J. Klein. Baltimore Ravens speak for David Putney. Hopefully there is something on the horizon today. And I've said this since last year. I, I, just, I cannot believe the Buffalo Bills – are willing to go through the rest of this season with their quarterback still being their most effective running back. He's not going to last if he keeps taking 10, 12, 14 hits a game. He's a big, strong dude, but you got to get him some help, and you got to get Singletary and Moss and the kid Cook some, some veteran help. And what it would mean to that football team to have a tough inside runner like David Montgomery on board. Or if you're the Rams, as I mentioned earlier, you're the Rams, you're thinking maybe we can come back from this thing. It's a bad start. We're three and four, and our offensive line sucks. But you can't go through the rest of the season with Cam Akers, can you? I guess you can. And wind up watching the postseason on the couch. I want to thank you for giving me some time today. I will try it again later in the week to preview the ninth week of the NFL seasons and talk about season, only one, and talk about why the Bears are going to be bullish on Jalen Waddell. <laughs> I can't say it without laughing. And Tyreek Hill. This coming Sunday when the Miami Dolphins come calling. Thanking Sam Michael, my producer, and Adam Delavitt, Baby Capone from Bet Rivers Network for making this happen today. I'm Danny Mack. Enjoy the middle of your week. Back near the end of it for more football conversation. For right now, I'm Taylor Lights. 
If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider.